Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Come on. The title of my message today is The Battle is the Lord's. And it's interesting because like I said, I've, I've spent a lot of time on this and have a ton of scripture. I think 58 verses, which is ridiculous. I'd never get through that. But, but I have them just in case. And, and the Holy Spirit, but I just, I was like, God, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I, I don't fully feel exactly the connection. I know you, this is the word. And then that song, that song hit at the 9 a.m. And I said, ah, that's, that's, right. that's it. That's what you're going to do. I wasn't even going to preach on the whole uh, Ella, Valley of Allah thing. It just, but it was like I had that in my holster, and then God showed me that thing. But the battle is the Lord's. Now, I've seen in my church life people kind of have different perspectives on this. I've seen people that, that say that on a Sunday, but their stress level and the amount of things they're doing on Monday would kind of contradict. Come on, can I get an amen? I'm that person. I'm like, yeah, the battle's the Lord's. And then I'm working 16-hour days and burning myself, you know, on both ends of the candle and lacking health there. But I've also seen on the other end of the spectrum be like, the battle's the Lord's. And I'm like, what are you doing? No, I'm just sitting back, chilling. Now, don't get me wrong. There is a time and place for rest. Rest is very important. Rest is very important. Vacations are important with your family. Uh, uh, some form of Sabbath where you just set time to be in the presence of God. These are all important things. But, you know, seven days of just doing nothing, like that, 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 that lacks, lacks the wisdom. So what is this posture of knowing that the battle is the Lord's? What does that look like? And then I was drawn to the scripture because I felt the Holy Spirit say, you know, the, the church that we need, including myself, I've been preaching this message, working this message out in my own life, because I'll say things like, you know, the Bible, well, I won't say it, I'll read the Bible. It says, uh, I will grow my church and the gates of hell will not, will not prevail, right? But then, you know, come a, come a Wednesday morning, I'm walking around like this whole thing's dependent on me. I'm, I, you know, and the Holy Spirit's like, hey, just quick do you believe that? Or we, you know, he points it out, gives me a little gut check. It's like, no, yeah, you're growing this thing, God. And if you can use this boy from Oakdale, California, who married a girl that had her own herd of cows, then all right. All right. So the battle's the Lord and uh, drawn to this scripture because David, David was awesome, man. His whole life is, is so inspiring to me, even because even he, he wasn't perfect. Like, he actually had a real big screw-up in his life. But, but just the, the perspective he had on God, the, and I, that only comes from, I guarantee, I promise you, we can all ask when we get to heaven, but we'll be like, hey, David, when you were in the, a little shepherd boy, when you were just a boy watching those sheep, what were you doing? He'll say, I was, I was getting in the presence of God. Yep. Yep. I, was, I was doing riffs on my harp, and I was getting in the presence of God. <laughs> He spent time in God's presence. And so when the battle, when the day of battle came, his perspective was right. Go to verse 47 for me, guys, of 1 Samuel 17. This was his perspective. While everyone else in Israel was afraid, hiding in their tents, because for 40 days Goliath was talking, 
Okay, he was throwing a lot of smoke. Here's what David said. Stood up to the giant and said, Therefore David ran and stood before... Oh, there we go. Thank you, guys. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. The battle is the Lord's. David got this. David got this so much that he could go into a fight with a rock. You know, I used to read this story, and like as a kid, don't tell my mom, but we used to like go out in the field and throw rocks at each other, all the boys in the neighborhood. Like we would have rock fights. And I would occasionally think like, you know, somebody died doing this in the Bible. It's like one of the, the only Bible story I really knew because every other week we did it at kids' church, right? And so uh, some of you OG church kids like know what I mean. We all knew that story, okay? We all, that was that and Noah's Ark, like boom, had that down, down. Knew that one inside and out. But David knew he could go against an elite war machine, a man that had been fighting his whole life with just a rock, it wasn't about how big what was in his hand. It's just he was going to say, I'm going to use what's in my hand. And so I want to give you a few, just from this chapter of 17, a few things that help you get in the posture. The proper posture is everything when it comes to knowing that God fights your battles. I played football, as I've maybe mentioned a couple times. And it was my sport because I had decent hand-eye coordination, but not great. But I was pretty good at hitting people when I was into it. So... Um, <laughs> But what I learned as I learned how to hit people is that posture was everything. If you run into, you know, a, a scrimmage line or, or a, a run into a line at the snap and you have your head up and you're like, hey, guys, what's going on? You are getting ear hold. I mean, you're just down on the ground. You're knocked out. Okay. You've got your posture is that of you got to get under the guy. And I learned that quick because I wasn't the biggest. I was kind of fast for alignment. So I had to learn that my posture was everything. I had to get under a guy. So then I had the, I had the superior position. I had this superior lift and a guy could be 300 pounds. It could be bigger than me. But if I had the right posture, I had a chance. 300 pounds in high school was big. I had one guy beat me up pretty bad. He wasn't posture meant nothing to him. But anyways, the point is this. <laughs> the point is this. Posture is everything. Posture is everything. So I know I just think it was funny. I would like, we would pray with my football team and I just would always get done. We'd be like, pray like, God, help us just kill these guys and, and just destroy them. And I just I always just think like, what if the other team is praying the same prayer? Like, what's God like doing with, <laughs> you know, but whatever. I was on the team, so I knew God wanted, liked me a lot. Um, here we go. So jumping in, I'm not going to read the whole passage of scripture, but I want to jump to some key points. First, if you want to have the right posture of letting God fight your fights, fight the battle for you and with you, you should know which way the enemy is going to come. Because I can be in this position all day long, but if he's coming from this way, I've actually put myself in a default. Uh, I'm ready to fall. I'm not ready to win. And so you need to know this. We'll go to verse four in this. And it says, the champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath. The word champion, hit your neighbor, say champion. champion. Listen, the devil uses his champions in your world frequently. He's not creative. If something's worked once or worked in your family line, guess who's going to come and visit? He, he's not creative. He knows, hey, if, you, if the struggle in last season and you overcame was here, he's going to come with very similar battles in the next season. 
And that the Bible says that the world of the righteous goes upward and upward. I picture that like a tornado. God brings me first to the cross. I realize I need his grace and salvation. I accept it. I maybe let something die in my world. I give some, I let something go. I let an addiction go. I let, I let a thought pattern go. And I step into this glory and he lifts me up and he takes me. He's like, wow, this is awesome. I'm now out of a test and I'm back into trust and I see God move and I've gone up another level. And then I come right back here and here at the valley of God in the tree, and here's the devil piping off, usually in the same area. And you know, people say like new levels, new devils. And I've heard another preacher, and I would actually agree, at least in my experience, it's new level, same devil. He's not too crafty. If he once got me with something, he goes, okay, that's the champion. We're going to go with that again. We're going to, hey guys, I got a great idea. Send it in again. Go again. You know, hey. Hey, porn worked last time. Let's give that a go. Hey, addiction worked last time. Let's give it a go. Hey, depression worked last time. Let's give it a go. He comes with the same thing. And then what he'll do is because maybe a temptation or a struggle comes back in your world in a new season, you feel defeated because you thought, well, wait a minute. And you did. You did beat that giant in this season. And if you take what God did, the next time around, it goes even easier. You're like, last time I swung the rope four times to shoot the rock, but now just boop, done. You know, like you'll, you'll, you'll get quicker and easier, but don't be discouraged if the devil sins the same thing another try. Yeah. Remember, he lost the first time. He lost the day you gave your life to Jesus, and he's going to lose every time. But don't, don't be, I can't believe it. I can't believe that thought popped in my head again. That doesn't mean you're not free. It just means he sends the same old champions that he think will work. All right. Now, after this, so Goliath, the champion, comes out. Then they do all this talk about his armor. I just find it interesting that they knew all these details. Like, they know the exact weight, height of the spear, of everything. Tells me that somebody afraid was counting the things they shouldn't have been counting. Sometimes it's important to look, what are you, what, what are you rehearsing in your head? Are you rehearsing how much armor the enemy has? How many times he's won in the past? How many people he's defeated? How many pastors that were once a great influence have fallen? What are you rehearsing and memorizing instead of what Israel should have been doing is like, man, he parted a Red Sea for great-great-grandpa. Man, he knocked down the first city in this place. He knocked it down and all we did was march around it. What, are, what details do you remember? What details, that posture, God fights for me. One of the greatest things you can do in getting God in the battle for you is to perpetually have a lifestyle of repeating your testimonies and hearing other people's testimonies. If you've never been to men's or women's prayer, we spend about half the time letting everybody share God's stories. Why? Why? Because if you turn on the news, all you're going to hear is bad news. Bad news sells. So we're in a world that likes to bring negative, but when I go to men's prayer... I don't go to women's prayer because I'm not allowed. But when I go to men's prayer, I, I hear, oh, God did that? Whoa. Oh, God did that? Whoa, 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 whoa. So then when I go into my circle, I haven't rehearsed, oh, well, it's been a long week. And that one bill, boys left the hose on, the water bill's hurt. You know, like, <laughs> I, I, what have I rehearsed? What have I heard? God's winning, God's winning, God's winning. It's not not true. It's just I'm, I've changed my, what I'm repeating in my head. And so when, the, when Goliath pipes off in my world, I go, wait, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait a minute. I know my friend right over there, my friend at men's prayer, he just whooped you in that area, buddy. Right? 
And we both wear blue pants. Come on, I'm talking to you, John. We're both wearing blue pants. But I think I look better in the pants, so I'm going to get you, devil. John Johnson, you got good fashion sense, buddy. Your shoe game's stronger than mine today. Well done. All right, focus. So what are you rehearsing? Then let's go to verse 8. This is Goliath, after everyone lifts off all the cool things he had and all the battle gear he had. It says, then, then Goliath, he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel, and he said to them, why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And you, the servants of Saul. Just pause right there. Know the enemy. Know how he works. He speaks in half-truths to scramble up what God wants to do. Is it true that Israel had a king, Saul, and that he was the general in that battle, and so they were listening to commands from him? Is that true? Yes. Is that who God said they were? No. God never in the whole Bible refers to them as servants of Saul. He refers to them as children of God. He refers to them as God's army. He refers to them as a chosen people. The enemy, he, he's, he's crafty. Even the devil, here's a newsflash, the devil, when trying to tempt Jesus, quoted a scripture. <gasps> the devil can say a scripture. It's not like, it, you know, if he says something, it ah, burns up and consumes him. He, he can mislead. Right. He can mislead. And so it's so important that we recognize that the devil is in the details and how we're processing that. Because what's he subliminally doing? He says, you're just petty servants. And they go, well, yeah, we did listen to Saul yesterday. He's the one that called us out here. Oh, man, we're, we're, they, he gets them up in their head. The Bible says in Song of Solomon 2.15, it's the little foxes that destroy the vines. Wow. We have to, as Christians, guard our heart. The Bible says to re- renew our mind daily. It's why a regular inventory of reading your Bible, it's not a religious duty. God's saying, you got to fill up on this bad boy. Yeah. Okay, you run on this thing. You run on the word of God. As a Christian, the Holy Spirit uses the word of God to infuse the godly lifestyle in you. That, so you need to have that daily intake of the word of God. Because the devil's in the details. We'll miss the little foxes. We'll come in and a little fox runs in. Oh, you're not. Nobody sees you. And, we, and, we, we let, we let that, and then we go to church and it's like, Five people in orange shirts said hi to you, but, but one person that you met last week didn't see you, and the devil goes, see, it's a little fox. Oh. Little fox gets you offended, takes you out of church, takes you out of, out of church life. So we just want to keep an eye on that. Listen, the, the enemy will try to tweak your identity and who you are in Christ and how much you mean to him. Okay, so now the rest of 8 through 25 is a bunch of things, about 40 days, David or Goliath is just taunting them. So this wasn't like a one-day battle. This was 40 days of the enemy coming and repeating over and over. Come on, I'm bigger than you, I'm better than you, let's do this. Come on, I'm bigger than you, I'm better than you, let's do this. So the people are pretty defeated right now. You know, the first time nobody shows up to fight, they're like, okay, well, maybe somebody's gonna show up late. But now we're 40 days in. And we jump down to verse 25. And David is showing up on the scene. And David hears this taunt, calling them servants of Saul and calling them, you know, cowards and, and insulting his God. And we'll pick up, these guys are talking with David. It says, 25, so the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter and his father's house exemption from taxes. 
I'm not gonna lie, I'd probably be willing to send Levi into a fight for exemption from taxes. I'd be like, son, you got this. You've heard David and Goliath eight times this year in kids' church. Let's go. You've got this. That's actually not true of our kids' church. Our kids' church is so amazing. Like, they, they, do, they diversify. So I'm just relating to some of my old church upbringing. Didn't hurt me one bit, though. Even if that's all I got, it didn't hurt. All right. So he says, boom. And then verse 26. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? He just heard it, by the way but he's just double checking. He wants to make sure if that's true. For who is the uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? See David's language? See David's language? Knows who he is. Doesn't repeat servants of Saul. He says, no, he's defying the armies of the living God. God needs us to know. This is important. God wants us to know. He needs us to know that he wants to fight for you. Because we will not have the courage or hear the right language or rehearse the right things. And how do we let God fight for us? We need to first step into this belief that he does. Yes. Yes. That he does. And not let circumstances look. If it ain't look like heaven yet, then God's not done writing the story. If it doesn't, if you haven't had your breakthrough yet, God doesn't write the story. We went, my wife mentioned it in, in the offering message. By the way, amazing offering message, baby. One of my favorite. Um, we went through hard financial times for a couple years. Did we just give up? Did we stop tithing? Did we stop doing what God said to do? No. And we saw his provision in like a manna season where we had no clue how the bills were going to get paid and just enough would come in for a season. Now we know God says that the generous are going to live in the overflow. And so we just said, okay, God, it's not done yet. You're doing something. Little did I know this is what he was doing. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for what he was doing. I wouldn't trade any of the moment. Okay, so we need to know that God's for us. Sometimes, and that's where worship comes in. I'm telling you, worship makes your soul buoyant. What do I mean by that? I mean, you could take a cork and you can take it to the bottom of the ocean. Depths, depths of ocean. Depths we probably haven't even seen yet. But because of what it's made of, it only has one trajectory from that point. Up. When we get worship in our heart, and the presence of God in our heart, no matter what you're facing, I'm telling you, I've had times where on the exterior, it was like a raging volcano and tornado and a sharknado, everything, it was hitting at once. <laughs> you know, every horror movie, it just felt like the whole world was collapsing around me. But when I was worshiping God, I was just seated in that heavenly place. And I knew he, if it's not looks good yet, God's not done yet. If it doesn't look good yet, God's not done yet. Okay, I'm going to keep going. Verse 27. And the people answered him in, the, in this manner, saying, So it shall be done for the man who kills him. Now, Elab, his oldest brother, I'm just going to summarize this. His older brother basically accused him and said, What are you doing here? You're just trying to show off. You don't have a good motive. I just want to remind you guys as you're pursuing God, haters are always going to hate. And if your life changes and starts to change, the people that were comfortable with your life at one level, not everybody's going to be comfortable with your life at another level. And a lot of times, it's people very close to you. A lot of times, it's the people very close to you. But here's what's super important. If, you, if you're in the posture of God will fight my battles, where we sabotage ourselves is we get defensive. And we start having to justify ourselves. And we get, we get pulled down. 
if you're going after God and you got some haters in your family, maybe, don't, don't defend. Just say, God, fight this fight for me. Let them see. Let me not attack them. Let me draw them. Let me draw them. Notice, David recognized the fight that wasn't from him. He didn't make his brother the Goliath. He's not like, oh, you're getting a stone to the face. He's like, no, I'm here to fight a giant. <laughs> Sometimes I honestly think I'm really funny. <laughs> that was one of them. I didn't even know I was going to do that. He recognized the fight in front of him. My battle's not against flesh and blood, but against strongholds, principalities. Our battle is to grow into everything Jesus already gave us. That's our battle. Made it through three pages of the notes. Your battle is not a PR battle. not a battle to win an argument. Your battle and where the enemy comes to fight you is what is the cross done, doing, and will do in your life? For the Christian, the devil has lost the main foothold. But now his fight will be at that valley of what did Jesus do in the tree? What did he do on the cross? And it will stay there and Goliath will camp there until we recognize that our posture is God's going to fight for me. And here's what a person that knows God's going to fight for me does in any circumstance. Here's your partnership. God, what's in my hand right now? That's it. Don't look at what the enemy has. Don't look at what the circumstance says. Don't look at the mountain in front of you. But what do you have in your hands? What do you have in your hands? You know what? I got a Bible. I'm going to get in it and I'm going to grab a word and I'm going to declare it over that situation. You know what? I got a church with connect groups and people that will partner with me and do life with me and will get to know me and love me. You know what? I got a conference coming up where I know the presence of God is going to show up. I've got, I've got DNA where people will find my gifts and I'll step into my gifts. Do you know where David used, know where he got the sling? He got it in serving in his father's house. He was the shepherd boy, and that's where he learned he could kill a bear and a lion. So when the next thing came up, he said, well, God protected me with the bear and the lion. I was serving in the house. And the one weapon I do know how to use is this little slingshot. Saul tried to give him a sword. He's like, I don't know how to use that yet. He will. Later on, he gets to Goliath's sword. What's in your hand? What's in your hand? For those of you facing a battle today, what's in your hand? You know what's always in your hand? The power to forgive. You can't control what other people will do. You can't control your response to what they've done. Some people in here got to get out of church today and you got to call your mom. Call your dad. Call your child. Call that friend. Doesn't mean you're giving doesn't mean you're giving them saying what you did didn't matter. It's not that. Saying I forgive you just means I'm not going to hold judgment against you. I'm not going to be judge and jury in this situation. I release you. Some of us maybe need to call and apologize. We have that in our hand. 
doesn't mean you're taking credit for everything, but if you know, and I probably need to apologize. Some people are, some wives are nudging their husband right now, just saying, hey, it's you this morning. Jerk. <laughs> some of us just got to apologize. What's in your hand? Why don't you stand to your feet? God, you're ready to take the smallest pebble that we bring into your presence and launch that thing into a destiny course to see victory, to see victory. You're not asking us to give any more than what we have in our hands, and you're not asking us to give any less. God's grace has covered you. The enemy right now will say, oh, see, you didn't even release the rock. He's just trying to bring shame and guilt. Shame and guilt. There's no shame and guilt in this message. Right now in this moment, don't worry about the past. Right now in this moment, what do you have in your hands? Say, God, use this. Use this. Watch him fight for you. Watch him fight for you. I want to release this over you, but before I do that, I do want to give a chance. Listen, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that's the first step. That's the first step. We cannot do this in our own strength. David was able to say, he's defying the army of the Lord. I know God will fight for me because he knew who he was. He was a son of God. How we become a son or daughter of God is only through Jesus. You can't do it on your own strength. You can't do it in your own righteousness. It's only Jesus. And so I'm going to ask everyone to bow your head and close your eyes. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior. You've never asked him into your life to come into your heart and change the very character of the person you are to a child of God. I'm going to give you that opportunity in a minute. And maybe, maybe you kind of have, but you just say, man, I feel so far from God. It's been so long. I don't even know. I don't even know. I want to include you in this prayer. It's pretty simple. If you don't know for a fact that if you were to die today, you'd be in heaven with your heavenly father, then make sure. Make sure. That's the first step. So if that's you in the room, everyone's head bowed, eyes closed, and you need to ask Jesus into your heart, I want to include you in a prayer, but I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond and say, yeah, that's me, God. That's your step. That's what's in your hand. It's the lifting of the hand saying, God, I need you. I'm tired of doing this my own strength. I need you. So if that's you, will you just real quick raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for? Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.